This show is brought to you by the North Face. Now, the North Face have been my sponsors for the last eight or nine years, and I'm really proud to be involved with this fantastic outdoor brand. Now, they've been in the outdoor industry for over 50 years, and they are the premier supplier of authentic, innovative, and technologically advanced exploration apparel. For your footwear, equipment, accessories, they've got the best stuff. Now, their lightweight and weather-resistant flight series running gear is my absolute favorite. So, if if you're into trail running, if you're into desert running, if you're into just exploring our mountains, then these, this is the go-to gear. And it's designed to endure, engineered to help you through the heat, through heavy downpours, or whatever else comes your way so that you can run no matter what, every day, any weather, any terrain, and never stop exploring. If you'd like to check out their whole range, go to thenorthface.co.nz. <laughs> Welcome, Welcome to Pushing the Limits, the podcast that gets deep into the psyche of extraordinary achievers across all genres, cutting to the chase to unlock the secrets of their success, their achievement, philosophies, and motivations. Join us in the quest to find out what makes the movers and shakers of our world tick and what gems of wisdom we can learn from them. Now, over to your host, Lisa Tamati. Hi everybody and welcome to Pushing the Limits, it's wonderful to have you back again. Now this week I have something a little bit different from you, I've actually taken one of my coaching calls that I had for a, a lady who is planning a great big long ultramarathon expedition run right through the middle of Australia to raise money for her favourite charity. Now she asked me for my advice and my experience um, having you know, obviously done the run through New Zealand and lots of other expeditions throughout my career and so I'm giving it to her straight on what it was actually like to undertake something of this nature. The 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 ins and outs of it, how it worked, what problems I came up against. And this is something that is not just of interest perhaps to ultramarathon runners, but also to people uh, that are planning big projects, big challenges in their life and some of the things that they might have to take into account. So I hope you enjoy this little discussion and um, yeah, let me know your feedback. If you've got any podcast topics that you would like me to discuss or you'd like to hear from someone who's an expert on, then I would love to hear from you. And as always, I really appreciate if you can give us a rating and review on iTunes. It really, really helps, helps the show get exposure. This is a labor of love, so that's very, very much appreciated. Right, without further ado, on to the discussion. Hi guys, me here. Um, I have had a question from Lisa Hickson, who's one of our new, newish uh, members at Running Hot Coaching, um, about uh, what it takes to really do a massive race. And it, to give you a bit of background, I've got Lisa's permission to share what she is dreaming about. It's all just a dream at this stage and a goal, but it's a, it's, it's a realistic one. Um, Lisa has only been doing ultras for about three years, or running for about three years after a huge weight loss journey. And she's managed in that time to already clock up a whole lot of ultra marathons. She's done the big red run, which is uh, a race that kicked my ass. <laughs> actually broke me a few years ago um, and that's a 250k multi-day stage race uh, in the outback of Australia and she has done three ultras this year and she says she's a she's a sort of a back back of the pack runner she's not uh, fast she's not an elite runner but she's got this big dream to run from Adelaide where she lives to Alice Springs in the middle of Australia and over a track the uh, something with an O track I can't I can't pronounce it and she wants to do it to raise money for uh, the clown doctors in Adelaide 
Um, so firstly, Lisa, congratulations on, on even contemplating such a massive mission. We're talking about 1,550-odd kilometres here. Uh, she wants to do this in a, maybe a six- to eight-week period and sort of be covering a marathon or more a day. Um, and she's asked me what was been my advice. So I'm going to share with you a little bit of my story about running through New Zealand, the experiences that I have. Um, I'm not going to pull any punches, Lisa. I'm going to tell you exactly how it was. I'm going to tell you the shit as well as the God, okay? Um, I'm going to tell you how I felt afterwards because I want you to have a real picture. And for anyone else who's considering doing something massive in their life, I want you to understand what it really takes to do it because often, um, you know, we get all excited and it sounds great, but we, we, we do need to understand um, some of the, the bad sides of, of it as well as the good sides and the, the amazing experiences that we had. Now, this week we've had one of our athletes, Gregor Gukwa from... Norway um, smash a goal that he's had for the last four years, which was to run the Badwater Ultra Marathon. And I was super, super proud. I, I'm, I'm like a proud mum this week, um, seeing our athlete finally get to his goal. Now, Gregor came from a place where, you know, he wasn't very happy with himself. He, he wasn't in a good space in, the, in life, and he started running, and he's gone all the way from running just a, a, a kilometre at a time uh, running to the letterbox for the starters to now smashing the biggest, most toughest, hottest race on earth with an incredible crew. And it's it's definitely going to change his life. And it already has the, the journey that he's been on, the weight loss, the, the, the better lifestyle, the, the confidence, all of those things are absolutely amazing what it does for you. Um, but to go back to, uh, so big congratulations to Gregor, to Megan, to the, the crew over there. Uh, fantastic job. I'm so sad that I wasn't able to be there, but I couldn't, in the end, I couldn't leave mum. I was planning to go there, but uh, I was dreaming to think that I could leave my mum for two weeks. Not yet. I'm hoping I'll get there one day, but she's just not strong enough yet. Um, so back to Lisa and your big dream. Now, Lisa, when I um, decided to run through New Zealand, I had already had around about, gosh, what would it be, 15, 16, 17 years worth of experience doing ultramarathons. Uh, but I'd never done anything in this consecutive nature before. Um, I was trying, however, to do 70 kilometers a day. That turned to custard. I'll tell you why in a minute. Um, and I wanted to cover 2,250 kilometers within 33 days. That was the original goal. It ended up taking me 42 days. Um, I had some major, major health issues along the way. Uh, nearly broke me completely. And I had to readjust my time schedule. I could have done it a lot faster than 42, but once I, because I was speaking at, five schools a day, as well as having book, um, uh, I just released a book, and I had uh, book tour engagements at night, so I had, once I changed the schedule, I had to keep that schedule. Um, so for the first couple of weeks, I was running over 500 kilometers a week, and that was brutal. Now, I had looked at the likes of people like Charlie Engel and Dean Camassis and 50 marathons in 50 days and all of that sort of jazz, um, and many of them who'd done right race across America, who'd done Trans Europa, uh, had managed to do 70Ks a day. And so that was my, my goal. But um, I got uh, ripped hamstrings. And um, one of the things that I came across was the camber in the road really, really stuffed me up, which I wasn't expecting. When you're on a, on a slight camber the whole time, you end up with, I ended up, yeah, with these hamstring problems, shin splints, a whole lot of things that I wasn't getting when I was just doing my normal sort of uh, distances every day. 
Um, but Lisa, let's go back to perhaps the basics. Now, 42 kilometers a day is absolutely doable. Um, if, you, if you'd said to me, I want to do it in four weeks and I want to do, I don't know, 70 kilometers a day, then I would be having some serious uh, worries. 42 kilometers a day is massive, but it's not impossible. It's also about, um, it's all right, come in. I'm just doing a Facebook Live, don't worry about it. My husband's just walked in, looking grumpy because I'm on the computer again, sorry guys. Um, so 42 a day, Lisa, I think is a realistic um, prediction that you can that you can cope with with 1,500 kilometers. It's going to be tough. There's no, um, you will need a really good support crew and your support crew really needs to be people that you can trust with your life. Um, then it got to be people that who understand what it takes. Hey, Lisa, nice that you're actually going on live. That's cool. Um, so, Lisa, you've just joined us. So, yeah, um, basically your crew have to be top notch. You have to have a really good core crew. You don't need a big crew. You do need a good crew. Um, with Gregor, for example, in Death Valley, I, when I couldn't go, I sent over Megan Stewart, who was my paramedic over in Death Valley, who organised my whole entire run through New Zealand, and who was just magic. A uh, crazy amount of logistics that goes in behind something like this, especially if you want to do it properly. Um, so I would suggest a crew of at least um, three people, but no more than five. Um, if you get too big a crew, the crew can make or break you. Sorry, I've got a cat here is annoying me. <laughs> uh, your crew can make or break you. They can absolutely destroy your race or they can make it a success like it did with Gregor. In the beginning of my run, I had seven crew members. I had three vehicles. I had massive media. I had um, um, schools that I had to visit every day and all of this sort of stuff was just way too much, way, way too much. If I was going to do it again, and I wouldn't do it again, to be honest, um, and for a number of reasons that I'll go into in a minute, I would not have such a big crew, even though what I was doing required that I have a fairly decent crew because I needed to be kept safe. We were on main roads all the time. Um, we were raising money and uh, all this sort of stuff. I have major problems with personalities in my crew. And this is a very common problem that you can get squabbling amongst the crew and they can actually make it hell for the runner. If you've got people that are unhappy and bickering and arguing and the logistics aren't getting done and problems aren't being dealt with as you go along, then that all lands on the runner as well. And the runner needs to just run. Your crew needs to be doing all of the tough stuff for you. They need to be doing everything. They need to be treating you like an invalid. So you need to be given your food, you need to be dressed, you need to be pampered, you need um, moral support. Like my nickname during the run through New Zealand was Cleopatra, um, and that's because I was good at giving performances <laughs> and, and moaning and groaning, and, and my crew had to take that, okay? And, that, and that's the job of a good crew, is to not take that personally. So if um, understanding if you take your partner that um, you better get on really well with them. They better be able to cope with you when you're at your lowest point because you're going to be absolutely exhausted. Um, at one point in my run through New Zealand, this was only on day three or four, and I, my crew got me lost, or we all got lost, and I threw my toys out of the cot, for example, and I'm not proud of that fact that I you know, screamed and yelled and 
made a big performance because I had to run an extra 5k. Now that sound might sound pathetic, but when you've been running for 70 odd kilometers, another 5k can break you when you haven't had that on the list and you know that tomorrow you've got to get up and do another 70. Um, so it's little things like that. It's being able to understand that you're going to go through a gambit of emotions that will send you from the highest highs to the lowest lows. Your body is very liable in the first two weeks to fall to absolute pieces. If you can make it through those first two weeks, you'll be fine. Those first two weeks, and this is not just me speaking, this is other people who have done these sort of huge distance uh, events, the body doesn't, uh, it, in that first two weeks, it's in a state of shock. It's in a state of extreme exhaustion. Already from day two, you've got to get up from the day before, having run 70-odd, and you're already smashed, and you've got to smash it again. By day three, your emotions are starting to get really worn down. You're starting to get sick. You're starting to get all these sort of problems coming on. Um, and it got worse and worse and worse for me. And the worst, it got to the worst point at about Kaikoura. So that was about, uh, say, seven, 800 kilometers into it, where there was at one point where the shin splints were so bad that I could no longer go down a hill walking. I had to turn sideways and go down steps sideways. And it was at that point when I had um, Megan Stewart with me, and I remember going, mate, I can't even take the next step. How the hell am I going to, you know, get down the steep hill? And she said to me, yeah, you're going to have to turn sideways and we'll walk down sideways and here's some sticks. Um, and at that point I knew that I had another 1,500 kilometers to go and I had no idea how I was going to do it. Um, and I felt like it was all over already then. And I was desperate in my head. I was fighting with the fact that I had all these, these charities that I'd promised to raise money for. I was going to be letting down a huge team. I was going to be embarrassing myself. All of these, all of these feelings of doubt and, and horror were going on in, in the background. And I had a, such a strong crew member in Megan because she would do, no, mate, we're, we're fine. We're just going to do it this way. And we're going to do it that way. And if we didn't know how to take the next step, she would find a way for me to take that very next step. And she walked me through those really, really tough few days. And she stayed by my side and she got me through those. And that's when we decided I had to drop the kilometers. It was going to take a few days longer. Um, and when I dropped it to around 50 to 55 a day, that's when my body went, I can cope with this. I can cope with this. This is all right. That, that extra 15 was just one step too far. Uh, I managed it for a, you know a couple of weeks, and then it was it was absolute toast. Um, what happened after that is that so after that new, that that stage of two weeks, it's it's almost like you're 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 going down, down, down. Your body's getting more and more smashed. The exhaustion is coming up. You're in absolute agony. You think you cannot go on. If you can get through that point that's when it starts to go up again. And that's when my body started to come, well, I wouldn't say right, but it got used to the load. And this is a phenomenon that you see in every expedition and everything that's in, where you're pushing the limits to the extreme. Um, you're going to get to a point where you think there's no way out. When I, when I interviewed Charlie Engel on my podcast, Pushing the Limits, go back and actually uh, listen to that episode. He said like the first few hundred kilometers in the, the run through the Sahara, nearly they nearly didn't make it. Um, and somehow they got through that, and then they had these were seven thousand kilometers long, like seven thousand and one hundred and eleven days. So off the scales hard through countries as dangerous as hell, where there's no good food, there's no there's no hotels at night, there's no there's no support, you know, um, an unbelievable feat of endurance. And he said that first stage was the worst. 
once again, their body started to get used to it and they had more crises as they went along, lots of emotional crises, lots of crashes and clashes between the athletes. Um, and, and this sort of thing is very, very common in an expedition. I don't care whether you're climbing uh, Mount Everest or you're running across the Sahara or you're running through Australia. You're going to have clashes of personalities within the crew and you're going to have the highest highs and the lowest lows. And you've got to really be resolute as to what your why is, Lisa, why you want to do this. You have to be very, very clear. I want you to go and listen to those goal-setting webinars that Neil and I have just done over the last uh, couple of weeks and start to really question what your motivation is behind this. How much do you want it? Get really deep into the layers of that question, why? Because if you can find the answer to that, then you will find the answer when the shit hits the fan and you no longer know how to take the next step. And then you'll go back again and again and again to your motivations, to your why, to your reason for doing this. And that will give you the courage and the strength to carry on. Now, when I was in absolute deep crap in the run through New Zealand, I had some kids come out from Canteen who I was raising money for. And these were children with cancer. They were teenagers. And that really motivated the hell out of me because these kids were like putting on a brave face, smiling, getting on with the job of dealing with their cancer. And I thought, well, if they can deal with cancer, then I can deal with what I was dealing with. When I went across from the South Island to the North Island, for example, I had a, a young lady come out. She was 19 years old and she had cancer. And we got off the, the ferry because I had to take the ferry between the North and the South Island. And I said, oh, what are you going to do this afternoon, love? I've got to go and run another 30-odd kilometres. Oh, I don't know how I'm going to do that. Oh, woe is me. And she said, well, I'm going off to have chemotherapy. Well, that pretty much shut me up right then and there because I was worried about running another 30 kilometres in a state of exhaustion. But this 19-year-old was facing death, was facing chemotherapy, and she actually lost her battle a few months later. Um, and she was doing it with a smile on her face, you know? So it, it put everything into relation for me and it brought me back to the reason why I was doing this. And then later on I had another friend, um, Alex McKenzie, um, his nephew had cancer and he came out and he was a 13-year-old boy. And I was, another night, I was in, in the hotel room at the end of a long day and I was bawling my eyes out and I didn't think I could make it. I didn't think I was going to be able to get up the next morning. And he came into my room and he held my hand as a 13-year-old boy and he said, Lisa, do you know how much it means to me what you are doing and what it means to the children who are facing cancer to have someone take up the baton and fight for us? It really means the world to me. And that sort of shut me up again and made me realize that no matter what I was going through, someone else was going through something tougher. And it really gave me enough energy to be able to overcome the massive pain that I was experiencing, the, the massive exhaustion that I was experiencing and to carry on. And the funny thing was, the further I got into this run, the, the stronger I started to become. By the time I finished that run, I was flying. I was actually doing much, much better than I was, you know, just a quarter of the way in. So even when you think it's all over, it's not necessarily all over. And when I actually reached the finish line, I could have turned around and carried on for I don't know how many more hundreds of kilometers before it would have really collapsed on me. Um, so it's amazing to see what the body, you think, like what the body tries to do is it tries to stop you. And when you don't stop and you carry on, then it goes, oh, shit, 
I better get on with the job because she's not going to quit. So I've got to find a way to do this. Your body is very clever. Your brain is very clever, and it tries to stop you from killing yourself. So it's, it's, it's going into the survival mode, and it's trying to stop you. And when you don't stop and you overcome that, then sometimes your body actually gets stronger in the process of it. Yeah. And as I went on and I lost some of my crew members, it was the best thing that ever happened because it got down to the core three or four crew members that I had who were really top-notch, who were a well-oiled machine. We had no more dramas. We had no more arguments. Everything ran like clockwork. And by the time we got through the end of the country, we were rocking and rolling and we could have gone on. That was the complete opposite to what I had at the beginning when I had seven personalities who were squabbling and fighting and, you know, it was just chaos. It was just way too big. So, if, Lisa, if you're going to do this, I would um, pick a really carefully picked crew who can handle it, who can handle tough situations, who can st handle sleep deprivation, who can handle heat, who can handle not having a shower for days on end, who don't mind if they don't get their cappuccino at 10 o'clock. Okay, these are got to be people that are tough and strong as well as you. They've also got to be able to understand that you're going to be a shitty bitch probably at some stage during the race and that you're going to be a crying mess and that you're going to need encouragement and they're not there to tell you when to pull out unless, oh, I should qualify that. I had a paramedic with me, Megan, once again, and she was the only one that was able to tell me, okay, it's time to pull the pin because it's getting dangerous. And I, and I had her in Death Valley and I've, um, other places, and she was the only one that I would listen to as far as, it, medically speaking, you're pushing the, the limits here. The other thing, Lisa, um, I don't know your age, um, but this sort of thing can push your body over the edge, okay? So you have to understand there is a risk uh, with doing things like this. It's all very great to be able to hear all the great, wonderful stories that you hear of people doing this and doing that. I have permanent kidney damage. I have tumors in my uterus. I have um, uh, problems with my electrolyte balance. These are things that I'm paying the price for, for doing what I've done to my body. I want you guys to understand that sometimes there is a price to pay for doing this extreme uh, ultra marathons and extreme sport. And the role, reason why, oh, nice, you're 50, you're same age as me, mate. Good on you. <laughs> well, when we're in the menopause, if you're heading into menopause shortly, then you're going to be going through some hormonal changes anyway. Um, so get you, get, what I would suggest is that you get your health really checked out. We've got, like, maybe do our epigenetics program, maybe get your blood test done with us, your cortisol. Just make sure that everything's humming along because this can push you over the edge and you can end up with me, like, recycled uh, hormones, tumors growing, kidneys not functioning, things like that, Okay. So just being aware of the dangers and then deciding to take a calculated risk. I'm using my experiences to make sure that hopefully you guys avoid some of the dramas that, that I've gone through. So Lisa, I really would uh, like to talk to you about doing epigenetics. Um, Gus has done it already. I see Gus on there. Gus, you can tell Lisa later what it's like to do the epigenetics profile. Um, but it, it would give us a real good picture too of where your health is and where you're at for this. Um, the amazing thing that, that, that came out of the run through New Zealand was for me, apart from, you know, I raised a whole lot of money, not as much as I was hoping, by the way, and we'll talk about that in a second. Um, I had an incredible experience. I will never, ever forget the people that I worked with. I will never forget the experiences I had, the people that I met across along the way. All of those things are, uh, are a part of my life and my story now. 
um, and I'm very, very proud of what we together as a team managed to do because this is never just the work of one person. You are always standing on the shoulders of your support crew. Um, so if we talk about now um, the fundraising side of it, if you're serious about the fundraising side of it, just know this. There are influences in the world and people with big followings that could go literally and, um, I don't know, sip a cocktail and make more than you will make running thousands of kilometres. The world is an unjust place, and just because you're running thousands of kilometres and doing something epic does not mean that people will give you money for it. Um, you can possibly raise more money running around your local park doing a 5K than you can do doing this. It's, so it's, in other words, it's all about the marketing. It's all about taking the time to prepare that marketing into doing it well. If you um, are serious about the fundraising side, then uh, we can have a separate talk about that because you'll need to do proposals, you'll need to get sponsors on board, uh, you'll need to get used to working you know, with media, doing interviews and all that sort of stuff. If you just want to open up a give a little page, just expect that it could all be for nothing and you might get 50 bucks or 100 bucks or $1,000 and it might seem completely unfair for the amount of effort that you've put into it. Um, that's not to put you off, this is, I'm just giving you the absolute real facts. I wanted to raise over half a million dollars, that was my goal. I didn't get anywhere near that. Um, I got, I think, $77,000 or something in the end. Um, that was a bloody hard way to get $77,000. When I know that, you know, an All Black can, I don't know, put a handbag up for sale and get that much. It, 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 it's, it's frustrating. Um, but that's the facts. Just because you're doing something epic does not mean that epic funds will come from it. It does require a massive amount of understanding how media works, of, of working with the media, but this can also be a massive learning curve for you. Um, and if you take it as such, then that, that part of the equation is something that um, if you really want to make a difference, uh, you can do that as well. Um, but there, you will need to get a team around you. And this is where I learned so many things for business. Doing that run through New Zealand, I learned how to do proposals, I learned how to talk to sponsors, I learned how to um, do media interviews. Well, not just from that, I did it before. Documentaries, I learned, um, you know, managing teams, I learned um, oh, just a whole lot of stuff. Social media, all of that sort of stuff. Speaking, coaching, everything I've, I learned from doing all these massive uh, expeditions and, and programs and stuff. So if, if you look at it as being a massive undertaking, something that you take your time to prepare for, 2020 you said, so that's a good amount of time to get ready for this. I tried to do it all within six months while writing a book, while running a business, while running Death Valley twice, while representing New Zealand, going to England, running in 24-hour races, and then I ran through New Zealand. That was too much, and to be honest, I've never been the same again. It, 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 it um, cost me a lot in health, it cost me a lot of mental health, it cost me a lot in post-traumatic stress for, for the amount of pain that I went through um, in that one year, not just from that run, but also from all the other things. So just remember you're not bullet, bulletproof, but you are amazing, and you can achieve amazing things. So it's understanding it, and that's why I'm giving it to you blank. I'm giving it to you bluntly as it is, warts and all. The other, yeah, Another part of the equation um, and I did a run last year, or a year and a half ago now, for the Samuel Gibson Memorial Trust, a friend of ours who died, 
um, and we set up a trust to raise money for people with disabilities in his name and we ran across the North Island with my husband and Neil and to be honest the traffic was horrific and because of the traffic I would never do this on main roads ever again. We had some very very close calls and we're lucky not to get killed. When I ran through New Zealand I actually got hit by a truck at one stage Luckily, it was moving very slowly, and I got hit by a car as well. Um, so just be aware of the dangers. If you're going to be on the outback on the trails, that's probably going to be much less of a problem. Um, but you will have to do your planning, your logistics. So I suggest having a crew of three or four on the road with you. That maybe changes halfway through or something. But I would suggest having a crew of eight to ten people who help you with the fundraising, the logistics, the administration, the applications to sponsors for proposals and you know getting sponsorship money. Um, yeah, a really big team of people around you doing that. Okay. So um, thanks everyone for joining me today. Caroline, Daryl, thank you very much. Gus, Janine Ogden, Renee Ferguson, thanks very much guys for joining. Um, this might not be relevant to what you guys are doing, but I just wanted to explain to you what it does take to undertake, um, you know, an expedition of this size, the complexity of it. You've got the, you've got basically, you've got the safety side, you've got the fundraising side, you've got the sponsorship part of it, and then you've got the training. So it's like training for the Olympics and building the stadium at the same time. It's a massive job, and it's all revolving around you. So if you break down in week one, all of that team, all of that charities, all of those things, it's all hanging on your head, yeah? And you have to be able to understand that pressure and cope with that pressure. However, the things that you are going to learn, the advantages that you're going to get out of it are things like confidence, obviously, inner strength. You will understand exactly how far you can push your body and still come out the other end. You're going to make friends for life. You're going to learn marketing. You're going to learn how to, you know, I don't know what you do for a job, but I'm just supposing you don't know any of this stuff. You're going to learn advertising. You're going to learn speaking. You're going to learn interviews on radios and magazines and TV and uh, all of these great skill sets to have. So look at this as not just, uh, oh, I'm doing a charity run. 1500 k's across the you know this is a, a this is a project with different segments to this project and I didn't do them I didn't give myself enough time to prepare the fundraising side of it the marketing side of it I wish I'd done that better um, and I didn't have all the skill sets that I needed there I had too big a crew I also didn't understand what it would take to really run 500 kilometers a week I'd never done that before I'd run you know, 250k races and things like that, but 500k's week after week after week, massive, massive pain. Um, so any more questions, please let me know. Um, I would love it if you guys would actually do some videos on here too. Feel free to record a video and upload it. Tell us your stories, tell us your journeys, tell us your learnings, um, share them with everyone else. Lisa, if you've got some more questions and you want to actually Yep, I want to go forward with this project. Now I've looked at things, you know, square in the face in the light of day. Um, then we would love to get in behind you from Running Hot Coaching. We would love to help you do that. Um, and, you know, we love epic people doing epic things. Um, we've got Carlos Pumaroa, one of our coaches or our head coach, um, at the moment doing the Super 12 Challenge, doing 12 ultra marathons in 12 months. Um, over 100 kilometers, so that's 100, 100 milers, the Alps to Ocean, 330, a whole lot of stuff. Um, so, and that's costing him a lot. It's 
hard. It's really, really hard. But he's getting there and he's doing it and he's killing it. Um, so he's another person that we can turn to for advice and help as well. Anyway, thanks, guys. I know I've rambled on enough, but hope this was helpful. See ya. That's it for this episode of Pushing the Limits with your host, Lisa Tamati. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe and share all this goodness with your networks so we can impact more lives with positive insights and inspiring conversations. And check us out online at www.lisatamati.co.nz. That's it for this episode of Pushing the Limits with your host, Lisa Tamati. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe and share all this goodness with your networks so we can impact more lives with positive insights and inspiring conversations. And check us out online at www.lisatamati.co.nz.